Are you all awake? All excited to be in the presence of God? Amen. You're kind of wild today. That's what I was talking to somebody, but I'm from the 70s and I'm wild at heart. Amen. Well, look at this. Here, who do I give the mic to? So, Courtney and I have been married a little over 16 years, 16 and a half years, and she wanted to have children day one, of course, and so I wanted to wait and see what God said, and I believe we had a release two years in, so 14 and a half years later, but I'm telling you, God never falls short. God is faithful. I don't care what you're standing for or what you're believing God for. He will always come through, and this little precious journey that we've been on is here to say hello. So So thank you for all your prayers. Thank you for standing in faith with us in our little miracles home. And we're so happy to be under one roof. Thank God for that. Courtney, 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 did you want to sing a song like a Mother's Day song or anything? Nobody wants that. Nobody wants that. Stay seated if you're not ready to worship. I hope you came ready with an attitude. Try that again. I hope you came ready with an attitude. Try that again. I hope you came ready with an attitude. That was closer. Hope you came ready with an attitude.
we praise you. Let's go for. We, we praise you. Let's go for. We, we praise you, Lord. So let it go. Time for your healing. 
is the time for your restoring. This is the time of your spirit. this song so don't worry about it lift every voice in a heavenly song sing to the Lift up my voice 
Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Do you know who is in you? Christ, your hope for glory. It's vital in this hour that you know who you are so you can walk in demonstration and power. So listen this day what the man of God would say. Listen carefully to His words for they will prepare you for the days ahead. For today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of healing. Today is the day of miracles. Today is the day of breakthrough for you. But it's vital that you know who you are in Him. The greater one resides within you. The thoughts that He thinks towards you are thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future, a hope, an expected end. So don't look down, look up. For that's where your redemption draweth nigh. Look up to the sky and say, I thank you, Father, that I am your son. I am your daughter. I'm the victorious one because of Jesus in me, the hope of glory. We worship you, Lamb of God in this house this morning corporately we come together the only agenda we have is your agenda Father and we see your kingdom come your will be done in our lives individually and corporately as a church body Father we thank you 
for the apostolic gift. We thank you for the relationship that we have with Apostle Mike. And we thank you where the Spirit of the living God is, there's freedom. And we declare and decree freedom to receive all that heaven has for us this day. Say, I will receive all that heaven has for me and my family this day. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. God's moving. Amen. And I'm excited. And you think a few years ago, I was thinking about retirement. No way. <laughs> we work too hard to retire. We sowed too much to retire. And you can't give up either. And you can't retire either. Amen. Problems when you get older, you retire physically, but too many people re- retire spiritually. They just give up. Leave it to beaver reruns. Gun smoke. You're laughing, but I know folks, they tease me. I got to make sure I don't watch gun smoke when they're in the house. Amen. What we're going to do, we're going to receive Harvest Church's tithes. And then at the end of the service, and tonight everyone say six. six. I'll be honest with you. Can I say something? Yeah. I just don't get it when we bring a guest speaker in and you come on Sunday morning, but you don't come Sunday night. I don't get it. Take advantage of the gift that God has blessed us with. You're not going to get it in one message, two messages. So we're going to receive Harvest Church's tithes, and then after the service this morning, and then tonight, we're going to bless his socks off. Amen? Bless his socks off. Ushers, wait upon the people. If you need an envelope for your giving, you can raise your hand. As we uh, receive the offering, remember Wednesday night, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you. Those that you come on Wednesday night, what have we been ministering on? Wineskins. But what has to happen in these last days for us to really flow with the Spirit of God? What has to happen inside these four walls in the local church? Change. You're, that's not the answer, but we're getting there. Yeah, that didn't end. That's part of it, yeah. Yeah, you're giving me all these good words from the other night, so you were listening. But what needs to be established in the in the church in the days ahead if we're really going to be effective in advancing the kingdom? Okay, I'll give you a hint. Fivefold. Thank who said that? Who said that? Page. Oh, okay. <laughs> Amen. Everyone say fivefold. We need all five gifts really flowing in the church to be effective in the days ahead. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Well, is there any other announcements, boss? Nope. 
Well, I'll tell you what. I I love this man, and I love his wife, and I love his ministry. And I said to Kathy, we were sitting on the deck drinking coffee this morning. I said, how many years have we has he been coming here? And I, I don't know. It's been a Late lot. 80s. Late 80s. But the thing that is so wonderful is to keep a relationship that long. You know, you don't need a, a lot of relationships, but you need a few good ones. And there's one right here. Let's stand to our feet and welcome the apostolic gift in Mike Keese. Thank you, Pastor. Amen, amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Did you guys already pass the bucket on the offering? Yes? Make sure you get mine. I was fooling around there with my notes. Why this relationship has lasted this long, I have no idea. Yes, glutton for punishment. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to gather together today. Thank you for freedom in America to do this when so many of our brothers and sisters around the world do not enjoy such freedoms. We thank you, Lord, that we approach your word with reverence and respect today. We thank you that we will have eyes to see and ears to hear. We'll leave the service stronger in spirit than when we came in here today and better equipped to represent you with excellence in these last days, wherever you send us in your name. Thank you for anointed praise and worship. Thank you for the opportunity to enter into your presence. The Bible says you inhabit the praises of your people. And so we thank you that you're here, Lord, in all of your fullness to make good upon your promises, to send us the Holy Spirit, to open our eyes, to see what we need to see and hear what we need to hear in these last days. So we praise you for these things in Jesus' name. Everybody that agrees with that said together, amen. Okay, folks, back up and park. And before we get to the Word, let me just mention a few things that we brought along with us so that later on we don't have to try to shift gears. First of all, I just want to say in your presence and in your hearing how much we, my wife and I, appreciate the friendship that Pastors Mike and Kathy have provided for us all these many years. We laugh, we joke, we have fun together, but in all seriousness, everybody needs people in their lives that sharpen them, hold them to a standard of excellence, keeps their sword sharp through thick and thin. And this couple has been everything for that for us for all these many years, which is why our relationship has endured uh, for such a long time. It is a rare thing, in fact, to have relationships this long uh, in the ministry, okay? People come and people go, okay? But uh, we want you to know how much we value your pastors in our lives personally. And having a voice of influence in their lives, to me, is a tremendous honor, and their family, the kids that I've watched grow up. I've watched these kids grow up, and it's, a, it's an honor to see them stepping into a place of influence in their areas of assignment as well. So I just wanted to take a moment and make sure you understood how much we appreciate you. I know you give generously to us, and I want you to know your seeds are producing good fruit for God overseas in the Philippines. We've had marvelous youth conferences this summer. Thousands of youth have been saved in our meetings. We have between 275 and 300 churches, and we have 12 regions around the country, and each region was responsible for conducting a youth camp this summer because we were not there. Normally, every three years we have a big national meeting, but because 
of COVID and all of the fear that still is associated with that thing, you know, we were not able to come back. So we just gave them the assignment to go and conduct those regional meetings. And they did a fine job. Thousands of kids came. People were saved. People were rededicated to the Lord. Gifts of the Spirit were flowing. And all of that is accredited to your account because you're the ones that help us do these things with your prayers and with your finances. Okay, so we want you to know how much we appreciate you very, very much. And one of the ministries that God has given me is the ministry of uh, audio and uh, publication outreach. We've written 10 books. Number 10 is at the publishers now. We don't have it to share. This one, though, this is the newest book that we've written, number 9, called The Mandate of Must. Using the word must as the common thread, the common denominator, um, on the front page it says, Mandate as defined in the dictionary. The word mandate is an official order or commission to do something. An official order or commission to do something. Do something. Okay? And then the second word, the second uh, definition from Miriam. Webster's Dictionary, an, authorita- an authorita- authoritative, if I can say it, authoritative command, not a request, not a suggestion, okay? So I'd recommend that to you if you have a chance. Uh, there's other two, there's two other smaller books out there. And then this one, we're going to talk about this one today in different ways, but if you don't have this book, get it. I have people friends in my life that have been close friends with people like Brother Kenneth Hagin, and they've been around the faith message for years and years, and they've told me this is the best book on faith they've ever read. And they've been around some people that have taught faith very extensively and very effectively for a long, long time. The language of faith. Faith is a language that you have to learn, just like you learn English or you learn Spanish. Or in the Philippines, they learn Filipino. They're not born fluent with these things. They learn these languages. And faith is a language that must be learned to be used because it's the only language that connects us with God and all of the needs that we have to have met from Him. How many understand the power is in heaven? The needs are here. The bridge that connects the need to the power is the language of faith. And most Christians don't know how to speak it. And this book will help you come to a place where you become fluent in it. And then for those of you that wish to listen... Uh, driving around, taking advantage of what you're doing on the road. You know, you can put in these CDs. It's also available in flash drives, USB flash drives if you're so inclined. This is the newest one called End Times Separation. End Times Separation. We need to separate. We need to be different than everybody else. When people come into a church like this, even though they don't know much, they can sense, they should be able to sense the power and presence of the Lord. They don't understand it but they can feel it. They can sense it, and they're drawn to it. And that's what we need in these last days, people that are sanctified and separated to the gospel, different than everybody else. We should not be looking like, talking like, acting like everybody else out there. Someone say amen. amen. It's a blessing to come into a church with everybody tattooed up and uh, praise the Lord with jeans that are too short. Praise the Lord. Abe must have run that through the dryer three or four cycles to get it where it is today. But hey, praise the Lord. Whatever works, works. Okay. What was that? Okay. Praise the Lord. Blessings to you too, young man. All right. How many love the Lord? Oh, come on. How many really love the Lord? 
All right, good. Let's go to, where should I start? Esther. I had a message lined up and then God changed it a few minutes ago. Esther 4.14. Esther 4, we'll start there and we'll read from verse 13. So find Esther in your Bible, Old Testament book of Esther. Okay. Esther 4 and verse number 13. This is a conversation between Mordecai and Esther, the woman whose book is named after her, Esther. Mordecai told them to answer Esther, Do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. What was happening here? They were trying to be pressured into passing laws that would outlaw uh, Judaism and imprison them and execute them. So the very salvation of the Jewish nation was in peril here. Okay? The king was being uh, manipulated by forces against the Jews to pass laws and regulations that would seal their fate and eliminate them as a, as a people. This is what's going on here as we read these verses. And so verse 14 So he's talking to Esther. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise from the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Let me tell you something. You have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. It's not an accident that this generation is this generation. We are the generation that's going to welcome back the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that firmly in my heart. You know, there's discussion about the rapture, when the rapture is going to take place and all of this. I frankly don't care. I mean, I'm excited for it, but I'm going to be doing what I'm going to be doing, whether he comes tomorrow or 10 years from now or 100 years from now. I tell people, don't argue over whether it's post, mid, or pre-trib and all of this. Just be rapture ready whenever he comes. Okay, that means you have to understand your role to play in the last days. You have to understand that you were born for such a time as this. This is a time where the world is descending into a cloud of fear and chaos like never before. You don't have to look too far to see it all around us. Okay, there are forces at work that are trying to actively destroy the Christian message and the Great Commission, not just in America, but all around the world. Okay, you can't just stand around and watch it happen. You have to take a stand. You have to stand in the gap, as Ezekiel tells us. Okay, you have to be a player and not a spectator. Someone say amen. We are not interested in people observing and commenting. We're interested in people on the front lines doing something for the Lord, following the mandates that we find in the Word of God because we understand we were born for such a time as this. Everybody in this room has a significant part to play. No matter who you are, no matter what level of education you've got, no matter how much of the Bible you may or may not know at this point in time, you're still someone God is depending upon to hold the fort. We are an army. But unknown to most Christians who talk about this, we are not a conquering army. We are an occupying army. Jesus said, occupy until I come. He didn't say conquer. He did the conquering. He did all the hard work. 
what we do is we occupy. We enforce the victory that he provided. You understand that we occupy. We don't conquer. He did that. He did what we couldn't do. We occupy and enjoy the fruits of what he did and represent him this way. Okay? We don't apologize for the truth. The truth is the truth. Amen? I mean, people can talk about all that they want to change and all the different mentality and, you know, trans this and, you know, LGBTXYZ. Let me add a few. F-O-O-L. Are you listening? Truth never changes. Methods may change to preach the truth depending upon who you're talking to. Paul said, I, to the Jews, I become Jewish. To the Gentiles, I become a Gentile. To a banker, I become a banker. To a you know, fisherman, I become a fisherman. I change my terminology. I change my presentation, perhaps. But the truth I share never changes. Compromise is satanic. And we're not having any part of it in this church. Someone say amen. amen. If people don't like it, that's their funeral, not yours. Amen. Because I'm going to stand before the Lord and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not well, what happened to you? Where'd you disappear to for 30 years? Well, it was just so hard, you know. Please. So hard. I tell people, you know, if you think it's hard in this life, take a trip. Go live around the world for five or six years and see how other people live in other parts of the country. And then come back here and tell me how hard it is here. Okay? I've been to places where people live in garbage dumps. Live in garbage dumps. They don't take their garbage there. They live there. I've seen these things. Okay? It's a very dark world out there, but we have a message of light and hope. We sang about it a few minutes ago. Jesus Christ is the hope. He's the hope of glory in us. Not in somebody else. In us. Someone say amen. amen. All right, turn to the book of war, which is Joshua chapter number 14. Joshua chapter 14. This is a conversation between Caleb and Joshua, two of my heroes of the Old Testament. Praise the Lord. This is when they're going to divvy up the promised land, okay? Conquering has been completed. They are now into the promised land. It's a, it's a whole other story there. You know, they, they screwed up and spent 40 years in the desert wandering. Now they've, they've passed the test. The old unbelievers have died off. And now they've come in to possess the land. And now they're going to divvy up the property among the 12 tribes. Okay? So now Caleb, he comes along because Joshua has been installed to do the, you know, the dispensing of the property he's in charge now he took over from moses and caleb comes up to him now these were the two of the 12 spies that went in you go back to numbers 13 14 and read the story 12 men were handpicked by moses to go into the promised land and spy it out 12 guys one from each tribe and the bible says they were leaders they were not just newbies they were leaders in their tribes and moses knew that they were already accomplished leaders, and he handpicked 12 of them and told them to go into the promised land, check it out, do your intelligence work, gather the intelligence, come back after 40 days and tell us what you see. And they did. So they came across the river after 40 days. The, the 12 spies, the whole nation assembled to listen to the intelligence report. What have you seen? What's over there? And they told them about the land that flows with milk and honey. They carried back a, a cluster of grapes. The Bible says the cluster was so big and so heavy, they had to carry it between, on a pole between two soldiers. That's how big that cluster of grapes was. 
And they said, check this out. It's just exactly like what God said over there. It's like a land flows with milk and honey, and my God, it's beautiful. But there's giants over there. Those cities are walled and fortify up to heaven. And we, in comparison to the size of these people, we're like grasshoppers. And 10 out of the 12 gave an evil report of unbelief. They said, we can't go up and take the property. It's just too hard. It's too difficult. The walls are too high. The cities are too fortified, and the giants are too large. Two men. Joshua and Caleb said, no, 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 no. We've got a covenant with God. We can take the territory. Let us go up in once and take it. They're bread for us. They're lunch for us. Two out of 12, Joshua and Caleb. And they were the only two that went in to the promised land. Now, as we read here, Caleb walks up to Joshua and he's going to remind him. Let's go. Let's start with verse 6. This is Caleb talking to Joshua. Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal, that Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Okay, we're going to learn to speak from our heart. We're not going to be speaking from our head. You have to speak from your heart. That's what he was doing. Okay? Then it says in verse 8, Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. That's happening all around the world. In social media, mainline propaganda, otherwise known as news. It's not news. It's propaganda. They'll tell you what they want you to hear. They'll write their scripts and, you know, do all the, the, the presentation within their 30-minute time block with commercials, you know, and all of this. It's, it's propaganda, friends. It's not news. It never has been. They're going to get, you know, give, feed you what they want to feed you. That's it. And anybody that thinks otherwise is extremely naive. Okay. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day. That's 45 years ago, as we're going to see in a minute. Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now, this is verse 10, behold, the Lord has kept me alive, as he said, these 45 years. Look at that and think about that for a minute. Not 45 minutes, not 45 weeks or 45 months. 45 years have passed. And he's quoting to, to Joshua what God told him 45 years ago, word for word. That's how long he held on to it. That's how long he kept it in front of him. That's how long he kept rehearsing in his mind. As they wandered in the desert watching people over the age of 20 die off one by one. And he quoted it back to Moses. I'm sorry, back to Joshua. This is what Moses told you and me, remember? And he repeated it back to, back to Joshua. And now the Lord has kept me alive these 45 years ever since the Lord spoke this word to Moses while Israel wandered in the wilderness. And now here I am this day, 85 years old. Hmm. As yet... I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so is my strength for war. Underline, highlight, or circle the words for war. He understands why he's here on earth. He understands the purpose, the plan, the situation, the agenda, 
Call it what you will. He understands. I've kept myself strong for 45 years because I understand this is a world at war. And I'm here, and we're in a war. And that's why I've kept myself strong, and I've kept my sword sharp. I've remembered everything God told me, and I've not let it drift and depart from me because it's for war. Now, you talk this way in most churches, and they'll stare at you like you got off the bus from Mars. They have no clue what's going on down here. There is a worldwide war raging for the souls of men. Everywhere. Everywhere. It is the ultimate world war. We talk about World War I, World War II, and all this. This is the war that started with Adam, and it's going to continue until Jesus takes the devil and throws him into the bottomless pit for a thousand years. This war goes on. Okay? We are citizens of another place. Have you found out from the Bible we're citizens of heaven? Our citizenship is in heaven, and we've been sent. We are an army on assignment. Oh, I didn't know that. Well, you better get to know that because you're going to get railroaded if you don't. Okay? My strength was then and my strength is now for war, both for going out and coming in. Now, therefore, verse 12, give me this mountain. Give me the territory. I wanted it 45 years ago and because of the unbelief of the other clowns, I've had to wander out there waiting for this. But I want that mountain. Why? Because, he says, you heard that the Anakim were there. Now, everybody have, have you all heard of David and Goliath? Goliath? You ever check it out and study how big this man was? Depending upon your cubit measurement, he was anywhere from nine and a half to 11 feet tall. You talk about NBA centers in the NBA, seven foot. This guy was nine and a half minimum, possibly 11 feet tall. His armor, where his armor, his shield wore, weighed more than a human being. Hundreds of pounds. The shield he carried. Okay? An entire army looked at this one man and they hid behind rocks in terror for 40 days. And he went into the valley twice a day and, and taunted Saul and made fun of Israel and said, You people, you claim to be the people of God, the covenant people and all that. Well, sh- surely. Somebody can come down here and take me out. Surely somebody can kill me. I mean, you, you follow the one true God. He taunted them 80 times, 40 days, twice a day, in the morning and the evening, and come into the valley, and they all, all the Jews scatter behind rocks and trees. Saul himself is over seven feet tall, and he's hiding, until David showed up with cheese. Cheese for the brothers and sisters. Not knowing what's been going on, you know. They're not like phoning back home to let them know what's going on on the front lines. The Bible says he was sent to the front lines to feed his brethren with with provisions from home and found out about this by accident. And the kid went ballistic. He said, how long has this been going on? And they told him, it's been going on for like 40 days. He comes twice a day. And David couldn't believe it. Are you kidding me? You're letting this go on? We've got a covenant with God. He doesn't have a covenant with God. We do. Yeah, but did you take a look at how big this guy was? He borrowed my field glasses and take a good look at this guy. You see that bush next to him? That's a tree. It's not a bush. And he had an armor bearer in front of him, a man carrying the armor. There were two of them. David went down there with five stones and took him out. Okay? That's Goliath. That's one man. The Anakim are his ancestors. They're his great-grandfathers, great-great-grandfathers, grandfathers. That's the Anakim. They're the ones in the cities, the giants. Not just one, but there's whole cities full of these people. 
And this 85-year-old guy knows where they are, and he's been itching to fight them for 45 years. He says, it's time. I've been holding my, I've been holding my peace for all this time. Give me the mountain. Don't give me the golf course. Don't give me the beach. Don't need any of that. I want the mountain because that's where the giants are, and I want to take them out. No wonder that God calls this man a man after his own heart, a man of another spirit, a different spirit. That's what we're looking for out here. That's what God's looking for. The Bible says he searches back and forth across the whole world looking for people to show himself strong to. By the fact that he's got to look for these people means they're not readily found everywhere. He's got to search for them. And I'd like to think that members of this church, meaning you, are qualified to let God be great in your life. Someone say amen. Amen. We're not just Sunday morning bodies and chairs. We are people with a mission. We are at war, and we have been assignments. We have assignments to take territory. We have assignments to win Norfolk and Nebraska and the uttermost parts of the earth. This is not just, you know, we come to church and put in our time and then disappear from Monday until Saturday. Not anymore. No. You can't cruise on another man's revelation. You better know who you are. Are you listening? Man, I found that out in the Philippines. When I landed in 1980, I found out I'm on my own. There's no more CD of the month club. Back then it was tape of the month. Now it's CDs and USBs, whatever else they got out there. You know, I found out I'm on my own. And there are witch doctors and black magic practitioners and devil sorcering worshipers and demon-possessed people and communist rebels and Muslim fanatics over there, and they all show up at your crusade. You better know who you are. You step up and start preaching the gospel in a place like that. No, I'll tell you. I found out, man, I better know who I am or I'm going to be sent home in a box. And I've seen them go home in a box. Good people. But they couldn't handle the pressure. Okay? I remember one witch doctor. Actually, it was a witch doctor, it, a lady. About 25 years old would be my guest, young girl. We were having a crusade. And uh, like here, we have, uh, you know, we had a, a stage set up. And we have singers singing praise and worship to draw the crowd. So we're getting a crowd of about 200, 300 people in a park, open air. And uh, the singer, and I'm sitting back there getting ready to preach. And uh, the singers got finished and the musician, musician sat down. So for a moment, the microphones were unattended, unoccupied. So this gal, it was an elevated platform about, you know, four feet up off the ground, stairs on both sides, uh, wooden. We had built this thing. And so she took the opportunity. She was on, in, in the front there. She grabbed the opportunity ran up on the stage, grabbed the microphone, and started putting spells on people. In our crusade. How rude. How insensitive. I mean, didn't ask for permission, just grabbed that microphone and started putting spells on people. And calling rain down, she's speaking to the clouds, calling rain down to to disrupt the meeting. Now, this was in the early days, and so I'm working with a, a volunteer crew, a volunteer group of helpers. They're good people from the local churches, so they're trying their best to help. But they haven't been trained. They've never seen this before. And so they, everybody's staring at me. They're looking back at me. What do we do now? Because she's, she's preaching, you know, to these people, putting a spell, and they're starting to scatter. They know who she is. So the Lord said, do something about this now. This is not the time to go behind the statue and pray in tongues for 45 minutes. You better be prayed up. You better know who you are. 
Because, you know, the devil doesn't send you tweets telling you he's on his way with hemorrhoids. Someone say amen. Preparation H, be damned. Praise the Lord. But the point is, okay, he said, do something about this now. Okay. Yes, sir. So she's got her back to me. I'm behind her, so I come up from behind. She's got the microphone. I grab her by the shoulders and spin her around so she's facing me. Yank the microphone out of her hand and toss it off to one of the workers to the side. Then I picked her up by the front of her blouse, lifted her up off the ground, and threw her off the stage. Someone said, well, that wasn't very spiritual. No, it wasn't. But it was extremely effective. We never saw honey buns again for the rest of the crusade. Can't imagine why, sensing a tad bit of resistance here. But the point is, you know, you do what you have to do when you have to do it. Amen? I got stories to tell. We could be here for a while. But I got to tell you, you know, where we go, we put on a firearm every morning. The ladies put on their lipstick. We put on guns where we go. And many times we go with armed escorts, sometimes in plain clothes, sometimes military uniforms. I am a brigadier general in the Philippine Army. I have a commission with them. I hold the rank of brigadier general. My wife holds the rank of lieutenant colonel. I am a chaplain officer, officially an international chaplain. She's a chaplain officer. We go on the bases. We talk to the soldiers before they go out on maneuvers and and out into the field looking for the people that are going to kill them. We tell them straight up, many of them are Muslims. We'll tell them straight up, Jesus Christ, you better know him before you go out out from these gates because you might not come back. And I don't want to see you, you know, I don't want to see you fall prey to, you know, the deception you've embraced and go to hell. Because by the time the sun goes down today, you could be dead where you're going. That's how we present the gospel to people, okay? I say all of these things to help you understand this is the world in which we live, amen? Now, having said all of this, Look with me at Daniel chapter 10. Daniel chapter 10 records a vision that Daniel had. Okay? Okay. Let's see, verse 7. Daniel 10, 7. And I, Daniel alone saw the vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision, but a great terror fell upon them so that they fled to hide themselves. Therefore, verse number 8, therefore I was left alone when I saw this great vision and no strength remained in me for my vigor was turned to frailty within me and I retained no strength. Okay? In other words, he's looking for a clean pair of shorts. Verse 9, Yet I heard the sound of his words, and while I heard the sound of his words, I was in a deep sleep on my face, with my face to the ground. You can imagine how, how imposing this was. This being shows up from heaven, you know, my God. He's on his face, as you and I would be. Verse 10, suddenly a hand touched me, which made me tremble on my knees and on the palms of my hands. And he said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, Understand the words that I speak to you. Understand the words that I speak to you. Understand the words. We're going to go back to that. Okay? Understand the words that I speak to you and stand up. For I have now been sent to you. While he was speaking this word to me, I stood trembling. 
Verse number 12. Then he said to me, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard. Every time you pray, God hears exactly what you're saying. He's never too busy with what's going on in South America or Europe or the Philippines not to hear what you're saying. He pays attention. He hears everything. Everything. Your words were heard on the day you prayed, this this angel says. Okay? But your words were heard, and I have come because of your words. I have come because of what? Whose words? His words. Not God's word. Not the devil's word. His words. I'm here because of something you said. This is a war. Joshua said it. I'm here for war. I'm strong because of the war. I've been standing in faith because it's a war that we're involved with. It is a war of words. And I have been assigned by the Lord until further notice to help the body of Christ wake up to the fact that the hole below your nose is the most powerful weapon on the planet. Your words. What's coming out your mouth? Because what's coming out your mouth either empowers God or handcuffs the Holy Spirit and empowers the enemy. You give him free ammunition with the words you speak if you're not thinking about what you're saying. I just did a study, and, you know, it depends on which source you're listening to or reading after, but it's been said that on average, every human being speaks about 7,000 words a day. On average. Some say women speak a little bit more. Some say men speak a little bit less. At the end of the day, on average, a man or woman speaks about 7,000 words daily. Daily. Words are containers. You see this? This is a container. This contains water. Words are containers. They contain spiritual force. And when you speak them, the force in the word is released and goes to work. Okay? The Bible talks about the Lord talking to Samuel back in the Old Testament. He said, I'm not going to let any of your words fall to the ground. Words are powerful. Most Christians don't know this. They don't know it's a war of words. They have no clue. They're just talking. They're always talking. But they're not listening to what they're saying. That angel told Daniel, I am here because of something you've been saying. The devil has tried to stop me. If you go on and read, the Bible says there was a, uh, an angelic army uh, reinforcements that had to be sent to get him through because the enemy had set up picket lines and they were not letting him through. Now, in our time, in the New Testament, this is Old Testament, in our time, we're already in Christ. We're in heaven. They don't need, we don't need this anymore. We're already in a place where we're victorious in the name of Jesus. You just have to enforce it with the words you speak. Look with me, if you would, at uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. 1 Timothy 4, 6. 
many, many times over the years. Uh, the Lord has pulled me aside in my prayer closet or wherever else he needs to gain my attention. And he would tell me. Because I'm standing in faith for things. I'm believing for things. I'm standing against things, etc. Just like you. And many times he's pulled me aside because this is something you have to come back and re-educate yourself and revisit this time and time again. Just listening to this once or twice won't cut it. It's just like what Caleb did with Joshua. He said, I've been rehearsing what Moses told me over and over for 45 years. I didn't let it go. I'm going to quote it back to you, buddy. And he did, word for word, 45 years later. And he didn't have cell phones, tablets, and you know, word processors and tablets to write. He had nothing. He just wandered in the desert and he kept it up here, kept it in his head and spoke it out of his heart. 45 years later, I like that. Amen. Most people can't hold on to a promise from God for 45 minutes. And the Lord would pull me inside and said, would you please shut up? I don't know how God talks to you, but that's how he talks to me. He would tell me, would you please shut up? The more you mumble, the more you grumble, the more you complain. You're just handing the devil free ammunition, buddy. And guess what he's going to do with it? He's going to use it against you, stupid. So shut up. Give me something to work with and cut him off. The more you talk, the more ammunition you're giving to the devil. So listen. Be very, very economical with your words, my darling. Be very slow to speak. James says, be swift to hear, slow to wrath, slow to speak. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about talking really slowly. No, I'm talking about thinking before I open my mouth. Okay? There's other verses. We could be here for weeks. In my opinion, friends, this is the most important subject in all the Bible. You know why? Because Proverbs says death and life is in the power of the tongue. Camp on that statement for a while. Death and life is in the power of the tongue. It's not in the power of God. It's not in the power of the devil. It's in the power of our tongue. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, he said, every idle word a man speaks, it will be brought before the judgment seat. Every idle word a man speaks is recorded. Every word he speaks, he or she is recorded. And if you don't get clarity now, and if you don't get forgiveness now, those words will be brought up at the judgment seat. And, you know, when you say, well, how did this happen? What is it? And he'll say, here's what you said. Here's what you said. Let me remind you what you were saying. Okay? We'll get to this in a minute. But Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, 6. If you instruct the brethren in these things, you will be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourished in the words of faith and of the good doctrine which you have carefully followed. Nourished in the words of faith. Words of faith nourish your spirit in the same way that food, physical food, nourishes your body, unless you're feeding on Snickers all day long. But the point is, you know, you stay strong physically because you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner. If you don't eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner or something similar to that, you're going to die. Sooner or later, starvation will set in and you'll wither away until you just die. Your body needs to, get, to be replenished. It needs to be nourished. Your spirit man needs to be nourished. And it's nourished with words of faith. 
He just said it. Nourished with the words of faith. Is your spirit being nourished? Is mine? Those are the questions you have to ask yourself because you're not fooling God and you're not fooling the devil. He knows what's going on. Everything's being recorded. Are you listening? Go, go with me to James chapter 3. Verse 1. When I counsel with my pastors, and the, I've got 275 churches, so I'm always talking to pastors. My email box is full of crises of the moment, crisis of the month, problems with demon-possessed people, whatever, okay? I'll always tell my pastors, okay, first of all, what's been coming out your mouth? Have you been listening to what you're saying? Because what I'm listening to right now is a lot of complaining and feeling sorry for me stuff. That won't cut it with God, and it's not going to cut it with me either. Because I get held, you're going to get held to the same standard he holds me to. And I'm not putting up with it in this ministry. If you can't shut your mouth and get control of your tongue, go join some other group. You're not welcome here. I don't need to be carrying you on my back for 40 years. Are you listening? I got my own challenges. You, I'm going to train you and teach you. Then you go out there and you torment the devil on your own. You don't need me there. You got Jesus. You got the Holy Spirit. Someone say amen. Amen. All right, so that's the way I counsel, which means that the counseling sessions are usually rather brief. James 3.1. My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment Verse 2, for we all stumble. Notice the word we. We, that's all of us. We all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he or she is a perfect person. We'll say perfect person, I'm sorry. Perfect person, perfect man it says there. Able also to bridle or control the whole body. Let me ask you a question. If you are dealing with any areas of the flesh that you don't want, that you don't like, that you want to get rid of, the problem is never with just what the flesh is doing. The problem is with what the tongue is saying. That's the source of the problem. You got a problem with your flesh, whatever that problem may be, things in your life you know shouldn't be there, doing things you know are wrong, saying things you know aren't right, thinking things you know don't, don't please God. You, uh, is anybody there? If that's the case, go back to the source of the problem because he says if you can control the tongue, you can control everything else. Hmm. So let's keep reading. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships, although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. A very small rudder changes the direction of a very large ship. A very small bridle in the, in the mouth of a horse changes a, a, a horse that's much larger than the bridle. Okay? The source of the problem is small, but the result is catastrophic because he goes on to say... Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. Kindles. Everyone understand what kindling is? You know, what is kindling? Kindling is the little twigs and little sticks that you use to start the fire. 
You don't start the fire with the big logs that burn for hours and hours. You start that fire with a bunch of little kindling twigs and pieces of paper and things that you get to start it. That's kindling. So when the, the bonfire is raging an hour later and everybody's sitting around the campfire roasting marshmallows, etc., and the bonfire is going, where's the kindling? It's gone. It's all gone. You know what's happening? He's comparing your words to the kindling that starts the forest on fire. Is there a fire burning in your life right now? Something going on that you need to quench that fire? You know, firefighters, when they go out there, they talk about forest fires being contained. It's 70% contained or it's 25% contained. There's a lot of people out there in the body of Christ that have uncontained fires going on in their life. And then they wonder why nothing's working. They wonder why their prayers aren't getting answered. They wonder why they keep getting sick. They wonder why their job doesn't work out. They wonder why their marriage is on the rocks. They're wondering, and the source of the problem is this. This, right there. The tongue is a fire, he goes on in verse 6. The tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it, everyone say it, that means the tongue, it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and it is set on fire by hell. You want to know how the devil got in? That's how he got in, with words, with words. He's constantly putting pressure on people to change their conversation, okay? We are very good at telling people how impossible situations are in our lives, how hard things are, because the media feeds us with this all the time because they are puppets of the devil. Do you understand that? They're working for Satan, okay? And he knows how to brainwash people and get them to a place where they're communicating in ways that enable him to steal and kill and destroy in their lives. And he's doing it all over the place. In churches like this one, okay? Are you listening? Close your mouth. If you can't say something that gives God something to work with, shut up because this is a war and you're handing the devil free ammunition and honey, he will use it. Okay, he will use it. The greatest weapon on the planet is our mouth. Not bombs, not rockets, none of that stuff. The mouth is the greatest weapon on the planet. Okay, stop and think. 7,000 words on average every day people speak. What kind of words are being spoken? What is in the words? What, what are the words containing? Fear? Fear of the future? Doubt? Unbelief? Jesus even talked about empty words. Idle words, words that have a container with nothing in it, okay? Just aimless conversation. I have been around some very, very anointed people, such as Lester Sumrall. Pastor mentioned him. I've been around these people. I've listened to them. I've watched them. There's one common thread, one common denominator among all of these people. They're different people, different personalities, doing different things in different places. One thing is a common thread, a common denominator. They're very, very quiet, they don't talk much. Now, if you want to talk about the things of God, they'll talk until the cows come home. They'll talk until the sun goes down. That's, you know. But if you want to talk about just things, politics and uh, sports and news, and what, they, they have nothing to say. I've been around these people. I've been driving for them. You know? And you try to start up conversation to be uh, cordial and polite. They won't talk. They stare out the window. Or they pray in tongues. 
Okay? They have learned the value of silence. Amen? Be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Amen? There's all kinds of people running around prophesying this and prophesying that, and people get all whipped up into some kind of frenzy of excitement. At the end of the day, those things are going to take their time and play themselves out. God's going to be God. And are you listening? He's going to be God. So don't worry about any of this stuff. Well, the prophet said this. Well, the pro- Listen, the word of God is the more sure word of prophecy. This is the more sure word of prophecy. Not what someone's out there saying, because I got news. Not every prophet hits a home run every time they prophesy. You hear me? They are still human vessels. They still miss it sometimes. Okay? And if you get your eyes off of the Word of God and get your eyes on the gifts, without the Word as the base, you're going to be led astray. Someone say amen. amen. Yeah, there's bona fide prophets. I don't mean to criticize the office, but there are false prophets. There's false apostles. There's false everything. The devil is a counterfeiter. Okay? You need to know the goods of the real and the goods of the phony and the fake. Amen? Look with me at uh, Isaiah, and we'll wrap this up. I just want to encourage you this morning. Please analyze objectively your day-to-day conversation. Please. Parents, how are you speaking about your children? Husbands, how are you speaking about your wife? Wife, how are you speaking about your husband? Church members, how are you speaking about your pastor? Strife in churches is rampant, okay? Because people just don't know how to shut up, okay? There is no perfect pastor. There's no perfect person on the planet. If you're looking for the perfect person, wait until you get to heaven because you won't find it down here. Everybody is a work in progress, okay? We all need help. Everybody needs everybody else. Praise the Lord, okay? Isaiah chapter 50, verse number 4. Isaiah 50, verse number 4. Here's what it says. The Lord has given me the tongue of the learned that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He, that's the Lord, he awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear as the learned. Now, the word learned in the Hebrew means educated. Okay? You could say this. The Lord has given me the tongue of the educated or an educated tongue. He's given me an educated tongue and he's given me an educated ear to hear and to speak. Okay? Right now, we're using English. This is the language we're all working with today. There's many languages all around the world. Okay? But the one we're all on the same page for is the English language. You know it and I know it. I'm speaking it. You're listening. We're on the same page. Okay? As I said before, faith is a language. You better learn how to speak it because it's the only language God responds to. He doesn't respond to fear. Faith is the only language he speaks and the only language he responds to. And we're going to look at this in greater detail tonight. Someone say amen. Okay? You need to know our quest, our assignment is to develop an educated tongue and an educated ear. Because when you're around people who speak faith and you have an educated ear, you will understand what they're saying. Are you listening? See? 
I could say something to you in Filipino and you'd stare at me for 100 years. You wouldn't know what I'm saying. Okay? And, you know, in the same way that you could speak to me in Spanish and I wouldn't know. I tried to learn Spanish in college as my, you know, the, the romance languages pre, pre-major re- prerequisites. I was forced. I tried to learn French in high school and that was a disaster. You know? I, I couldn't learn it. I mean, it's just some people are just linguistically gifted. I am not one of them. You know, my son, he had a Filipino girlfriend who lived in Germany. And uh, that young girl at the age of 19 could speak six languages fluently. Six. And in the Philippines, it's un- not uncommon for people to be able to speak three or four languages because of the different, the islands. English is the common thread that holds the island nation together. English, Okay. But on different islands, they speak different languages. My wife speaks Cebuano, but that's not what they speak in Manila. Manila, they speak Tagalog. And all over the place, different languages, okay? So, I mean, I, I, I envy, in a way, I envy people who could do this. I can't. It's not, it's not easy for me. Amen? I took Spanish for two quarters in college. That was a disaster. Okay? Muy hardo. Extremely difficult for me, O, to speak to you, O, and I just said, forget it. I'm not going to Spain anyway, praise the Lord. I'm going to Mexico. I'm going to the Philippines. The point is, okay, we can speak two languages simultaneously, one out of the heart and one out of the head. It's two languages simultaneously. Do you understand you're bilingual? I didn't know this. That's why I wrote that book. This was the revelation that prompted me to write that book. The Lord said, because I was complaining. I said, how is it, Lord, that all these people can just jump effortlessly back and forth from Filipino to English to German to Spain? How can they do that? It's just I've never had an, uh, an ability to do that easily. And I was mumbling, which was a mistake to start with. And the Lord said, you don't understand, you are already bilingual. Every person on the planet is already bilingual because you are a spirit living in a body. When they bury you, they don't, when they bury your body, they don't bury you, honey, you go home. Cemeteries are full of shells, they're full of tents, they're full of a glove that your spirit lived in. That's buried. You're not buried, you went home. If Jesus is Lord, you go up. If He's not your Lord, you go down. And whichever way you go, you're going forever. There are no parole board hearings in hell. You're gone. So that's why I tell people, if you're not right with God, you better get right. Don't believe, don't, don't take for granted this day you might be dead before the sun goes down. You have no idea. You're one heart attack away, one car crash away, one stroke away from forever. And hell is full of people that had thought they would have one more chance and they'll never get it. Anyway, the point is, you got to come to a place where we understand that when you're speaking a language out of the head, you're also simultaneously speaking a language out of the heart. Your spirit is speaking through your mouth using the language of the head. Languages of the head would be English, Spanish, German, Filipino. Languages of the head. Intellectual language that we learned. We went to school to learn the language. All of that, Okay. But spiritually speaking, you're also communicating languages. Amen? And your words determine the magnitude of God's ability in your life. Your words. Okay? Last story. Look with me, if you would, at Second Kings chapter number 4, verse 1. Last story. 
Is this helping anybody? This is not one of those, you know, twirling from the propellers, running around the parking lot kind of message. But this is where the rubber meets the road, honey. Really. Because if you don't get control of your tongue, your body will run amok if you don't already know this. 2 Kings 4.1, and we'll read seven verses, okay? A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elijah, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. Verse 2. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me. What do you have in the house? And she said, well, your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar, one jar of oil. Verse 3. Then he said, go borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you've come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. In other words, we've run out of empty vessels. So the oil ceased. Now this is something miraculously taking place. As she took the one vessel that had oil and started pouring it into the empty vessels, God supernaturally recreated the oil every time she started pouring into the empty vessel. He's multiplying the oil miraculously as she's pouring from the one vessel of oil into all the empty vessels that they've collected. And when they got to the end of the vessels that were collected, the oil stopped. So then what does the prophet tell her in verse 7? Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go sell the oil and pay your debt and you and your sons live off the rest. Think about this for just a minute. The debt was a set amount. Whatever it was he owed, she owed, it was a set amount. It wasn't a variable that changed, you know, day by day. It was a set amount that she owed whoever, the creditors. Let's say it was a $50,000 debt as an example. That's the debt. Fifty grand is what she owes. She doesn't have the money. He's going to come and take her two sons as payment for the debt that she cannot pay with the money. She doesn't have $50,000. Okay? So the prophet says, okay, here's what I want you to do. Go to your neighbors. Go around. And you collect all the empty vessels that you can find. And he said, don't gather just a few. Okay? He said, don't gather just a few. But he didn't tell her how many to, to get. He didn't say gather 25 vessels, gather 27 vessels, gather 34. He didn't give them a number. He said, don't gather just a few and sent them out. Okay? So when they got done pouring the oil into the vessels that they collected, it was, let's say, worth $55,000 with oil that she sold. He said, go sell it. So when they sold the oil that they had miraculously received from God, they got in return $55,000, which then meant she could pay the debt of fifty, and then live off the rest, which was 5000 He said, pay the debt and live off the rest. But let's say she collected $100,000 worth of oil. 
in the empty vessels that had been recreated. So she pays off the debt of 50000 but now she's got 50000 left. Okay? The amount left over was completely up to the amount of vessels they collected. Are you following me? And God didn't tell her how many exactly to collect. He said, just don't gather a few. But what's a few? She's the one that determines that. She's the one that keeps going until she stops collecting vessels. Because every time she collects a vessel, God's going to fill it and use it to pay the debt. And then the excess is hers to live off of. Here's the point. Your mouth creates the magnitude of God's ability in your life. Your mouth does this. It's like collecting the vessels. Okay? It's like collecting many more vessels than you actually need because God's going to fill them all. If you collect enough for $100,000 worth of oil, you'll get, you know, that much back. If you collect for $200,000 worth of oil, you'll get all of that back. More money is put back in your pocket. The debt is a set amount. Okay? The needs that you face is a need that has boundaries to it. Your words can break through and create victory in health and anything else, okay? But then you've got the excess. You've got what God can do for you because of the words you're speaking. You determine the magnitude of God's activity in your life. Not God. We do. We do. So think about what you've been saying. Amen? I can't live for you. I can't talk for you. You can't talk for me. Okay? We're all talking in such a way that God's listening, and so is the devil. Okay? And I'm here to tell you, we were born for such a time as this. But if we don't get control of our tongue, we will be just bodies in chairs in church, affecting nobody in the name of Jesus, doing nothing of any spiritual significance. Would you like your life to count for something when you stand before the Lord? What are you going to show them? Your degrees? all the initials after your name, your doctorate, your diplomas, that one you're going to show him. He doesn't care. All he cares about is souls saved. That's it. That's the war we're involved with. Okay? You can't change the past with the words you've spoken that were errant. Just ask the Lord to forgive you and move on. Can't look back. Don't look back. But from now on, you can fast your words. You can be very economical with your words. Be very careful about criticizing. Okay? Because a critical spirit will destroy you. Okay? Well, the church service went too long. I wish he'd just shorten his message. I just don't understand it. You know, what you're doing is you're just cutting yourself off. And God will be unable to bless you the way he wants to. Do you agree with me that God wants to bless you? Sure he does. He loves you. But we handcuff the Lord because of the words we speak. Let that not be the case any longer. Amen? I don't care what it looks like. Well, my kids are on drugs. They've been on drugs for so long. I've just given up. Don't give up. If they're still out there, wherever they are, God knows where they are. And do you know that the book of Proverbs says you can pursue people with your words? You can pursue people with your words. You can pursue people on the other side of the planet with your words. You don't have to go there. Your words can go there. I mean, it's a weapon that we have not tapped into the power and the potential of this. It's time. Someone say amen. You want a happy marriage? Start talking. It's a happy marriage. You want a happy home? Declare it in the name of Jesus. Are you listening? You want financial independence? Start talking to your bank accounts. Amen? 
I believe in the name of Jesus. I have tens of thousands of dollars on hand at any given moment to do the work of the gospel. Sometimes I see it and sometimes I don't. But faith is the evidence of things I don't see. So I talk according to what I want, according to what God promises in His Word, and then what I say comes to pass. If you change what you say, what you say will change what you see. So if you don't see what you want, change what you say, and what you say will change what you see. Someone say amen. It might not happen just by next Tuesday, but it'll happen. If you don't believe me, ask Caleb. He stood for 45 years, and he went into the promised land, and he went up the mountain and took out the giants, this 85-year-old guy. Amen. So if he can do it, you and I can do it too. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for the word today. We believe it's sown in good ground. Help us all, yours truly included, to understand the power of our own conversation, to understand the power of the words we speak, to be very economical, to think before we speak, not to give the devil free ammunition to use against us, but instead, Lord, to give you all the, all the weaponry that's available to us and let the Holy Spirit have access into our lives like never before because the world is going to hell in a handbasket, as we say. And, Lord, you said you prophesied and you said that in the last days men's hearts will be feeding them for fear of what they see coming upon the earth. Well, we're, we're people that we're not afraid for the future. We're not afraid. Our words will protect us. Our words will frame and build walls around us in the name of Jesus to take good care of us and our family and our finances. Someone say amen. amen. You know, there's a recession. Well, you know what? There's no recession in heaven. The Word of God is still the same no matter what the clowns at Wall Street say, no matter what the buffoons in Washington say, no matter what these morons keep talking about. Quit listening to these idiots who don't know what they're talking about because they don't know what they're talking about. Someone say amen. Shut off the television. Turn off the social media unless it's something that's feeding your spirit. Get away from this garbage. It's poison. You're poisoning yourself. Have an educated ear and an educated tongue. Amen. Take heed. Jesus said, take heed what you listen to. Take heed. Be careful. Amen. All right, let's all stand. If you're here today and you're not sure of your relationship with the Lord, then I want you to be sure before we leave. Like I said during the course of the message, you, listen, God knows what's going on in your life. We may not know, but He does. No, keep, no secrets are kept from God. He knows everything. He knows where you're going. He knows what you're watching on the computer. He knows who your friends are. He knows what your motives are. He knows who, what your priorities are. He knows everything. So you're not fooling God. Okay, You're only fooling yourself. My point to you is this. If you have issues, this is the time to lay them before the altar and get rid of them. Amen? So if you're here today and you know you've got issues in your life that you uh, don't want to bring before the judgment seat, things that you are ashamed of, I know I've had to do it. Things I've said that I knew were wrong in moments of anger or impatience or whatever, you know, and I've had to go to the Lord and say, I'm sorry. I, I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. The thinking was wrong. It was out of place. I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. I've had to do it many, many times. Maybe you have too. If you're here today and that's you, then listen up. If you're here and you've never accepted Jesus, and I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about accepting Jesus as Lord of your life. 
There's a big difference. You probably drove past a dozen churches to get to this one. And I would bet money that in most of those churches, they don't know what we're talking about here. And most of those people are dead in sin and on their way to hell. In churches. Okay, I was a Roman Catholic all my life. I knew all about Jesus, but I wasn't saved. I did everything they told me to do. Catholic catechism, the rosary beads, prayed all that stuff. You know, indulgences. I did the whole nine yards. I was dead as a doornail. If I died, it would have gone straight to hell. I wasn't saved. You got to make sure you know Jesus. So that's what we're going to do. Okay, everybody bow your heads. Close your eyes for just a minute. We don't do services without giving people a chance to turn around if they need to. So with nobody looking around, okay, you're not looking around, mind your own business. If you're not right with God, either you've never accepted Jesus Christ or you've just been a good church person, but you've never really accepted him, or you have, but you've been drifting away, you know, the old man is creeping back into your life. If that's you, then I'm talking to you too, all right? Now, I want you to be honest with yourself because, like I said a moment ago, you're not fooling God. You might as well come clean. He knows what's going on, okay? You're not informing him of something he doesn't know. I'm going to ask you at the count of three to put your hand up if I'm talking to you, if I'm addressing you for any reason that only you and God know about. I'm I'm not God. It's none of my business, but you know what's going on. So if it's you, I'm going to ask you to put your hand up at the count of three, and then we'll all pray together. We'll all declare together. I won't ask you to come to the front. I won't embarrass you, but I will ask you to be honest with yourself. Okay? Honest with yourself at the count of three. It's not a feeling, friends. It's a decision. You are deciding to turn around. You're deciding to quit playing church. You're deciding to get serious about what's going on on this planet and get in the game. Be a soldier, not a spectator, not a commentator, not a critic, but a participant. All right? That's you. If you're making that decision, then at the count of three, put your hand up. And then I'll recognize it, and you can put your hand down, and then we'll all declare together. All right? One, two, three. Hands up if I'm talking to you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen hands I count. Put your hands down. Thank you. Let's all say this together, everybody. Even if you didn't put your hand up, it's okay. It's not the hand up that does anything significant per se, but it's an expression of intent. So we're going to make a declaration of intent today. This is not a prayer of salvation. We are not going to pray for something. We are going to declare something. Our words are going to seal the deal. The Bible says with our heart we believe, and with our mouth we confess. Our mouth seals the deal with what we're believing in our heart. So let's say this together out loud. Now listen to me. If you can scream at basketball games, football games, Cornhusker games, or whatever else is out there, fly your flags and so forth, if that's what you can do for something secular, you can do this for something spiritual concerning the eternal destiny of your soul where you're going to spend uh, forever. So say it like you mean it. Don't whisper this hoping nobody hears. Let the devil hear you from five blocks down the road. Okay, let him know. I'm serious about this now, and I'm going to take you to task. Okay, let's say this out loud. We're talking to Jesus. You're not talking to me. I'm just leading you in your declaration of intent. And honey, like I said, he's listening. He died for you. You saw that picture up on the screen of the crown of thorns? 
they have that ram down on his head because he loved you. So he's listening. All right? Let's say this out loud. You're talking to him, so be sincere. Don't be thinking about where you're going for lunch. Be thinking about what's happening right now. All right? Out loud together. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, that you died on a cross, paid for my sins, and rose from the dead. So today, I make my choice, and I choose you for the rest of my life and for all eternity. You are my Lord and no one else. I am sorry for all my sins, but right now, I receive total forgiveness. And I am never, never, ever looking back. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. Amen. Now let's lift our hands and thank the Lord. Father, we want to thank you this morning. We want to thank you. We want to give you the glory in the name of Jesus. Okay, I'll do that. Thank you, Lord. All right, a little bit of instruction here. Post-confession. When Joshua was walking around the city of Jericho, he was told to walk around the city seven times, once a day for seven days, not to say anything. He told the Jews, shut up, don't say a word, just walk around the city like I told you to, and then go back to the camp. They did this once a day for seven days. And then he said, on the seventh day, you walk around that city seven times, on the seventh day. And when you walk around on the seventh lap, around on the seventh day, at the command that I give to you, shout. And when you shout, the walls are going to calm down. Okay? And the Bible says they actually fell down flat. The angels in the unseen realm actually pushed them down. Okay? The walls of Jericho. I mean, big walls. Okay? Big, big walls. No way to get in. But God said, at the shout of faith, the walls are coming down. If there are walls in your life, we're going to shout at the command. At my command, we're going to do what Joshua did. He told the Jews, at my command, shout. So it's a decision. We're not going to work this up. We're going to decide. I'm going to shout my victory, and the walls are going to fall. Could be drugs. Could be alcohol. Could be pornography. Could be an undisciplined tongue. Could be a critical spirit. Could be gossip. Whatever is holding you back, that's the wall in front of you. And we're going to shout it down in the name of Jesus. You know how to shout? You ever been to a Cornhuskers game and they score the winning touchdown? What do people do? Well, that was nice. <laughs> Honey, wasn't that wonderful? I mean, these people are going berserk. Amen? How much more when you shout out and the walls fall? In the spirit realm, that's what we're doing here. At the count, when I tell you to shout, put your hand up and let the devil know, hey, my walls are coming down. Amen? Praise the Lord. At the count of three. You know how to shout? Don't be shy. All right? Count of three. One, two, three. Shout! Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord! Thank you, Lord! Thank you, Lord! The walls are falling down in my life. The walls are falling down in my life. The walls are coming down in my life, Father. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. We shout the glory. We shout the victory. 
In the name of Jesus. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. This is what I'm waiting for, says the Lord. All around the world, I'm waiting for my people to shout the victory because I am more than able. My spirit hovers as he hovered on the day of recreation in the book of Genesis. My spirit was hovering over the face of the deep, waiting for the words to be spoken. And when I spoke those words, he took those words and used them to recreate everything that you stand on, that you see, that you exhibit and explore and are a part of on planet Earth and the universe in which you are a part. Today, I'm telling you, my spirit is hovering over you, hovering over your marriage, hovering over your family, hovering over your finances, hovering over your body physically. And I am waiting for your words. I'm waiting for your words to enable me and empower me and authorize me to do great things that only I can do for you. So get comfortable shouting the shouts of faith. Let your neighbors hear what you have to say. Let the people at work hear what you have to say. Shout the shouts of victory. This church will be heard far and wide. Near and far will they know that Harvest Church is serious about serving me. And as you go forth from this place, recognize and understand, your words are heard, and I will come because of your words. This day and every day, says the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Shout the victory. Someone say amen. Do you understand? You understand the Holy Spirit's hovering over you? You understand what a helicopter does when it hovers? It's up, it's up in the air. It's not going forward. It's not going backwards. It's just waiting. Waiting to land or waiting to take off. It's up there and it's hovering. That's what the Holy Spirit's doing over you. Just like he was, just like what the Lord said back in Genesis. What was he doing? He was hovering over the face of the deep, waiting for words. He's waiting for words. And when God spoke, God said, God said, God said, go read it. Right. Everything he said, the Holy Spirit took and used to create everything that we now are a part of. We're standing on the planet that he created with his words. And the Bible says he upholds all things by the word of his power. Not the power of his word, but the word of his power. Someone say amen. amen. We're created in the image and likeness of God. We can create. We don't create a universe like he does, but we can create our universe, our world. By the words we speak. Amen? Amen. All right. And like Pastor said, if you can come back tonight, we'll have some personal ministry. We'll lay hands on people. We'll watch God be great. Someone say amen. Amen. So if you've got situations where you need the, the power of God to manifest in your life, come on back and give God a chance to be great in your life, and He will be. Amen? Praise the Lord. Unless your house is on fire, then you can stay home and tend to that. But if the house isn't burning down, come on out and be... Be a part of the service tonight. Amen? Amen? And I'll make my way back out there to talk to you about the products we mentioned earlier. Did this help anybody today? Someone say hoo Hua. We're in the army. hoo The Lord is our shepherd. hoo He will never leave us. hoo Oh, come on, man. You guys are pretty weak. Okay. All right. We'll, we'll practice more tonight. Okay? Practice your hua, all right? Because the devil gets he gets terrified when he hears this. Yeah, hula hula. Thank you, Jesus. All right, God bless. Have a seat. That was wonderful. Amen. Amen. We want to uh, so turn me down. I'm too hot.
We want to uh, receive a love offering. Everyone say love offering. If you love the message, you love the gift, you love God. For God so loved the world he gave. So let's give generously this morning. Give your best. That's all I'm asking. Amen, ushers, if you'll wait upon the people. If you need an envelope for your giving, raise your hand. I'm so proud that you came today. Does a shepherd's heart good to see people come to feed in the green pastures? Amen? While you're doing that, I have a quick announcement. Tuesday morning, 9.30, Madison County Courthouse, our county commissioners are meeting. They are going to be petitioned about making our election, the voting, more secure. There are people that will speak and do that, but they just we need bodies there because bodies speak. They see that, and we can be in agreement. So if you can be there, 9.30, Tuesday morning, Madison County Courthouse, please be there. Be a little early. Be respectable. They don't need to see that we're a bunch of nuts. We need to be respectable, okay, and earn their respect. So, But if you could do that, that is greatly appreciated. Kathy made a, a remark to me the other day. You know, we're very heavily involved with Patriots United, but... What you do and say outside this church reflects this church. So if you're going to behave unwisely and speak words that don't build up and encourage but put down, you're, you're bringing a, a poor reflection upon Harvest Church. Boy, it got real quiet. You want to go home, don't you? But it's important that you guard your words, folks. Use your boy, what a message to hear. Speak the truth. Don't back down from the truth, but do it tastefully. Amen? Because we've all done it wrong, haven't we? But we can't do that in the days ahead. We need to be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. Go eat. God bless you. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight. Thank you, folks. Make sure you go by and buy the books and the CDs.